Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. Hey, BKB buddies, this is part two of the Larry Hankin episode. As I said last week, this is a great talk for both me and Larry. I got to learn about a guy who moves to Greenwich Village with a friend on a whim and starts a stand-up career that gets him into TV and movies as one of the most recognizable character actors working today. And Larry told me that he got to talk about a lot of stuff that he hasn't talked about because nobody asked him. So this is a really good interview. I hope you enjoy part two. Thanks for listening. But if there's a camera and they turn it on and they say, action, Larry, I'm not Larry. I'm the character. And I do what tells the story of the narrative. Right. So with your, I mean, you talk a lot about um, the dyslexia and ADHD, which uh, I've got a little bit of the ADHD myself. And uh, how how are you able to memorize your lines when you've got so many things going on in your head? Because that th- that's a problem that comics have, uh, and a lot of comics have ADHD because it's it it's just kind of runs in our pedigree. Um, but uh, how do you, do you have a system to know the, the lines and stuff like that? What do you do? I get the script as early as possible. It's in my contract, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's all. Yeah. The rest is like fucking sweat and just, you just got to shut yourself in a, in a room and just do it until you get it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, that's the other downside of being a dyslexic and an actor. That's why I'm mm-hmm. not an actor. I'm not an actor. I'm a, I'm a stand-up storyteller. Right. Right. That's what I am. That's mm-hmm. what I'm born to be. That's what I am uh, until I die. But but I can act. Mm-hmm. And if you give me the right part, I can do it really well. But yeah, with the example that I use, uh, oh, pardon me, I'm gonna I'm gonna sneeze. Well, <laughs> it'll come when it comes. Uh, <laughs> What I what I use is you know the movie um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, mm-hmm. it's Brad Pitt and uh, what's her name? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so they do this fight scene in in the movie where they're in a house and they're arguing and they both have guns and they're shooting at one another and yelling at one another and liking one another and loving one another and hating one another and fighting and shooting. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. Yeah. That's acting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not an actor. So I know there's certain things. I'll just turn it down because I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, some parts, I, I just did that a uh, couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Somebody gave me a part and they said, oh, my God, you are this person. You know, I'll send you the script. I go, okay, send me the script. And it was a great part. It was like, a, I think it was a co-star. Co-star. It was a co-starring role, or uh, I don't know, second banana, whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. Too many That's words. Great. Too many words. I, had, I turned it down. Oh, wow. told me the truth. It was a female director, mm-hmm. uh, writer, female writer. I said it's too many words. I can't memorize it. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the old days, I would have tried to memorize it, and if they gave me the script soon enough, I, I could have memorized it. But I am doing too many things, and I had to stop doing everything to memorize these lines. Now, I could do it. If I wanted to stop everything, you know, I'm writing this script, I'm rehearsing with that person for something of my own. But this is my own time now. So, Mm. But, I and I told him, I said, it's just too many lines. Now, back in the day, like five years ago, before it was my own time, for uh, uh, Old Joe or Big Joe or, what you know, uh, Vince Gilligan, 
El Camino, mm -hmm. Breaking Bad movie. Uh, that I didn't have too many lines, so I did it. The last show I did, the last TV show of Breaking Bad I did, yeah, that's when I quit. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I didn't I quit. I just, uh, I'm, I'm retiring now. Mm -hmm. uh, it was because I only had five lines in the show. And I thought, great, you know, old Joe has only five lines. I can do that. They don't have to send me it early. I do these long things that I have to get it early. Right. And they're fine. I show up. And it just, uh, it was just keeping the cop out of the Winnebago. You know, they were yeah. hiding in the Winnebago. The cop wanted mm -hmm. to get in and I had all this legal stuff. So I show up. It was just a couple of lines. It was just five lines. Mm -hmm. I had a shot in the morning for five lines, which I did really well in the morning mm -hmm. with Brian inside the Winnebago. And then in the afternoon, we did the cop keeping him out. And uh, so I have lunch and I come back from lunch and there's my new sides on the dresser. And it's an entire speech, uh, a monologue, a full space, yeah. one page of just me. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Those things. And no, I can't remember them. And unless you give it to me prior. But just two hours before I had to go on, mm -hmm. <laughs> I called the AD and I said, what is this? And they said, oh, well, Vince liked your audition so much, your acting so much, whatever. That he told the, uh, <laughs> that he, t Siri just talked to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, digital. So uh, he, he liked you so much that he asked uh, to one of the writers to write you a monologue. Hmm. I go, no, I can't do that. No, no. I mean, no, there's no, no way. Well, and I start to freak out. I, I just started to break down. I go, no, no, you don't understand. AD just split. I, I, I just, not, not my business. Uh -huh. gotta, how long do I have? Two hours. So I try to remember it. Nothing there. I couldn't remember it. So the, here's the other thing. Like, I, I, I don't know. I mentioned this before, but uh, I have no compunction about being fired, losing mm. the job. I, I don't care. I've been here, done this. I don't care. And I'm not an actor. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. So I thought, all right, I'm going to be fired, but I'm not going to cop to it. I'm not going to say I can't do this. Yeah. I'm professional. <laughs> I'm going to try to do this. Uh, so maybe I can improvise. it. Uh -huh. I'm an improviser, you know, 10 years improvising. Uh, and um, I try to memorize it. Try to memorize it. Okay. I get a knock on the door. You're up. You're on. Okay. I said, oh, let's see. But I also have a backup because I figured out how to do it if they if they shot it in sections, you know, because, you, you you know, cut to you, cut to me, cut to mm -hmm. him, cut to you, cut to me. If they chop it up like that, I could probably remember the sections easily or mm -hmm. easier. So that's what I figured. Okay. So I go up to the director. He goes, oh, hi, Larry. How you doing? You know, it's all jaunty jolly. He shot me in the morning. We were all cool. So, you know, all right, this is going to be uh, great. Okay. So I say, hey, by the way, um, I figured out how we could shoot this. <laughs> he goes, oh, really? <laughs> you know how to shoot this? The director says to me, <laughs> well, how should we shoot this, Larry? And I said, we should break it up, see? And he goes, well, that's a good idea. That's a really a good idea. But we're going to do a walk and talk, Larry. Get down there for 100 feet away from the camera and just walk towards the camera. We're going to do it in one take. Then you're going to go home. <laughs> just like that. So you'll be, you'll be out of here in what? 15 minutes. <laughs> he says, is that okay with you? Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Anything wrong? No. No, it's fine. Okay, get down there. Okay, I get down there. And he goes, okay, you ready, Larry? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, and action, Larry. So, okay, I'm going to improvise it. That's mm -hmm. I'm going to improvise it. So I start improvising. Now, here's the one thing I got to say for me. In the entire walk of improvising, I got the first line perfectly right because mm -hmm. I memorized that. For the entire thing, I never made an ah uh or a or a or a um. Uh -huh. Or a mistake about, I never fumfered. 
Mm-hmm. It was just me talking, improvising legalese <laughs> to the best of my ability. And I get there and the guy goes, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking two things at the same time. I'm improvising, I'm improvising, and I'm saying at the end of this, I'm going to be fired. But it's okay, because I don't care. So it's uh-huh. okay. And I'm walking and talking and talking and talking, and I get down, and he goes, cut, and I'm I'm this far away from him. That's what, walk all the way down to here, I'm this far away from him. He says, great, Larry. And then I hear, I'm going to be fired. And he goes, let's just do it again just for insurance. <laughs> I memorized the whole thing. Holy cow. And as I'm walking back, I said, fine. And as I'm walking back, I'm thinking, wow, well, now I don't have to worry, man. He's got it in the can. I can I can be, you know, I, I can lose my place or whatever. <laughs> I can make a mistake. Okay, so he's, all right, you ready? And I go, yeah. And then I see the script girl walking towards me. Now, the script girl is not a girl. It's a woman. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they got girl from. But anyway, <laughs> she's walking towards me. And you know what a script girl is? She has you. She's watching. She's got the script. You got to say it has it written. Yeah. So now generally they circle, you know, whatever you're the word or the sentence you left out. And I'm drunk and jolly and I'm saying, okay, what did I miss? And she doesn't say anything. And she just shows me the page. Everything is circled. <laughs> I've never seen a page like that. In um, 20 years of acting, uh-huh. never seen a page like that. And she says, he wants, and I said, well, I got the gist of it. And she says, no, the director wants you to say it as written. Uh-huh. I say, I want to talk to the writer. And she says, the director wrote it. <laughs> I hear the director say, anything wrong, Larry? I go, no, no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. And then I see him walking towards me with the book. And no, it's it's wrong. Everybody's walking towards me. That's not a good sign. You uh-huh. want to be walking towards them. <laughs> so it's not, I knew, okay, I'm going to get fired. Okay, let's do this dance. Again, I go into Zen. I'm yeah. fine. I'm not nervous. He said, um, and he doesn't say anything to me. He just stands right by me, and he says, uh, okay, I'm going to give it to you from here. He yells to the cameraman. He says, don't you want to stand by the camera? No, I'm going to walk with my actor. And he's got the book. And, I, and I'm and i thinking, well, I even said to him, I said, you're going to walk with me? Like, this is kindergarten now? You know, I, it was just, I'd rather be fired. I mean, that, that's what I was thinking. I'd rather be uh-huh. fired than do this. This is not fun, man. This is stu- okay. Okay. And he says, you, you okay with this? I go, yeah, f- yeah, it's fine. It's fine. And he goes, okay, action. And he's walking with me, and I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I got the first line right. I'm making it up. Boom, 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 boom. And he's walking, and I just, and he's walking right out of camera range. He's right off my shoulder. And he's walking around. I see he's walking with me. And he's got his head buried in the fucking book. And he's walking. And I get to the end. And now I'm going to get fired. And he says, okay, that's a wrap. Moving on. Thank you, Larry. Sending him home. And the car is right here. The limo is right here. Because we're in the middle of the desert. It's a 45-minute drive back to the production company. So the car is waiting. I can't even ask, well, what happened? Well, (laughs) what did I do? I get in the car. I drive back. And I have to wait now. Because I, I mean, I don't understand what I, – I didn't think I was that brilliant. Uh-huh. I, mean, I didn't believe that I had done what it seems that I had done. There's no way that I could be that right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I waited two weeks for, for it to show up. And here's what they did. And this is why movie is so incredibly great. It's very plastic. What they did was, if you watch the show, I am in that scene keeping the cop out of the Winnebago for exactly seven seconds. Uh-huh. But if I asked my friends, what did you see that day that I did the, uh, the Breaking Bad? So well, you were walking and talking and keeping the cop out of the Winnebago. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. But what did you see? Not, not what you think you saw. What did you see? 
You were walking and talking and keeping the cop out of the Winnebago. No, you didn't see that. You saw me for seven seconds. You saw the cop, Aaron, and him for the rest of the, you know, three or four or five or six minutes of that scene. I was uh-huh. What they did was, and the, the director, after I said the first line, the, the right the first time, mm-hmm. he knew I was making it. He knew I didn't have any idea of what the fuck was going on. He wrote it. He's listening to his words being yeah. totally avoided. <laughs> but what he knew was because he was a director and he knew how to make movies he says all right i will just take what he's saying which i was saying the right kinds of things uh-huh. and he added it together as a voiceover i'm a voiceover in that scene i yeah. talk and talk they cut to him you hear my voiceover you cut the brian you cut the aaron voiceover cut to the cop cut to me when i say something cool that i had made up but was right uh-huh and then boom, so two seconds. Boom, 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 boom. Two seconds. Boom, 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 boom. Three seconds. Boom, 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 boom. He's off. Boom. Brilliant. Yeah. You never know it. You watch a scene, you think I'm walking and talking. And movies is magic, man. Yeah. That's the name of the company my friend has called Movies is Magic. So you know, you, you do what you have to do. And if you I've never been fired. I've never been fired. Nobody and never and nobody's ever called me on my dyslexia uh-huh. because I've always gotten the script far enough ahead so that I show up. But I, you're the first person who's ever mentioned the fact that other comedians have dyslexia. I kind of thought that's what was going on, but I never knew. Mm-hmm. So that, that was like I learned something on. Yeah, it's for it's fairly common: dyslexia, depression, uh-huh. ADHD, all the good stuff. Oh so, yeah, all the good stuff. Right, I got that. <laughs> So I am a so I am a born comedian, yeah, and not an actor. Yeah. Although they probably have their own problems too. Yeah. But thinking about what you what you suffer from, first off, when you were growing up, there was no diagnosis for that stuff, and Fucking and they right just called you hyperactive, man. right? I had a very weird childhood, or as it was known later on, I had a quirky childhood. Uh-huh. No, I suffered for it. No, I was I was bullied. I was beat up. I was, oh, man, I, I was mistaken. I would ma- make the wrong decisions. Mm-hmm. I have had guns held to my head because I was in the wrong place and said the wrong thing at mm-hmm. the exactly right time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this guy's a cop. Let's get him out of here. Let's, oh, man, I've had <laughs> knives to my, uh, okay, all right. Oh, no, 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 you don't understand. Yeah. It wasn't my childhood up until I went to college was was a nightmare. <laughs> but you you would not be able. Okay, so let's talk about this uh, short film you've got out. Well, the the mockumentary, How to Become an Outlaw. I mean, you've got some you've got some what I would call like uh, soliloquies in there that I know you probably would not be able to do if you didn't have the ADHD because you are so good at thinking on your feet that you just stand up there and say it. No, thank you. Or it looks like that. Well, yeah. So thank you. Thank you. (laughs) No, it's the the clue that you just said was these are my movies. Uh I have all the freaking time in the world to memorize (laughs) my own stuff. Yeah. And I don't do it until I have it memorized. Uh, so it takes me months for that stuff. Yeah. But I won't do it until I got it memorized. So you know, you know, nobody knows how long it takes me to memorize stuff. Yeah, you yeah. just see me doing it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I have stuff in 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 the in the film and and songs that I've written that I've you know sung mm-hmm. non professionally. I'm not a good singer. Yeah, but, you know, I write a song, I want to sing it. They're very, very long. But the way I would practice it is I get these, uh, <clears throat> I got this, a Dylan songbook. It's generally the, the best songs he's ever written mm-hmm. in a big, you know, huge, it's that, about that thick. Mm-hmm. Well, it's about that thick, a songbook. And I take his longest songs, you know, some of them are seven minutes, five minutes, and I'll play them until I memorize them just to, get my mind because something already written, I've heard them sung. 
it's kind of in there. I got the rhythm. It's musical, so there's a beat to it. Mm. There's a, and that helps memory. So Shakespeare is is not as hard as it is uh, as you would think to memorize because of the rhythm of it and the yeah. beat, yeah. and and the excellent writing and the logic of how he lays it out. Mm-hmm. There's a form. So um, I would practice on Dylan songs, on long songs, to keep get my mind ready to now memorize what I had written. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, the, 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 in other words. I have all these things, but it's, you know, how you deal with it, the preparation, it's preparation, it's process. Mm. To me, it's all process. What I talked to you about, how I did my, how I got to my stand-up, that's process. Mm. Uh, how I get the, 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 the lines months or weeks or days ahead, that's my process. Mm-hmm. When I was working for uh, Bill Hader, um, and I wanted to work with Bill. So when they called me, this is recently, about a year ago. Um, I I love Bill Hader. I think he's, in, you know, I love his his sense of humor, his ability mm. to improvise, his writing, his directing. The guy's cool, man. Mm. And I wanted to work with him. So when they said, you know, hey, I didn't question, you know, long long speech, short speech. I don't care. I'll do whatever it takes to work with him. You know. Mm. I'll be a professional when I get there. I don't care. So um, I got, and it was very short speech that I had, a very short scene. So there's no problem. Mm. I I got it regularly. I didn't make any demands because they had showed me what the part was. I said, yeah, I'll do it. I mean, I I didn't have to audition or anything. Right. I just, they sent it to me. I said, yeah, I'll do it. So, but when I got there, see, here's the thing that I learned over the years about Great directors. He's not great yet. Bill is not great yet, mm-hmm. but he's going to be. Yeah. He's 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 got it. He's mm-hmm. he's one of those guys. So great directors that I work with. I'm talking about John Houston. Talking about uh, well, I haven't worked. I opened for Woody Allen, but I haven't mm-hmm. worked with him. I talked to him, but I haven't worked with him. Yeah. But I've talked to actors who have worked in his movies, and he's the same thing as John Huston and Larry David. They don't give you directions. John Huston told me the whole point is the the said the um, the casting he said eighty percent of directing is casting. You cast the right actor, you don't have to direct them mm. because of his choices. You see, he makes great choices. Why are you yeah. going to interrupt it anyway? So I'm working with Bill Hader. And um, he's not giving me any directions, and I'm I'm, I'm nervous because I'm doing I don't know how to do a, a Russian accent, mm. you know. I mean, I got this Second City Committee improv Russian direction uh, R- Russian yeah. accent, <laughs> which is n- n- not verisimilitude. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, yeah, yeah, da, da. You know, yeah. if, if it's funny, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> So they said, you know, well, would you mind if we had a Russian uh, coach there for the for the um, for the accent? I said, no, no, that would help greatly. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. But they asked me. They said, can you do a Russian accent? And I said, yes. You know, can you ride a horse? Yes, sure. Yeah. Can you jump <laughs> off a bridge? Yes, sure. Uh, so I said yes. So, but and then they said, would you mind if we had a Russian? I said, no, no, that's really great. I show up. I can't find the Russian. Uh, a language coach. I, I looked. I was there a couple hours before. Nobody knew who it was. So, and then finally, Bill Hader says, "Okay, you're up." Well, not him, but the AD says, "You're up. It's your scene." Oh, God, I have to make it up. You know, now I have to improvise a Russian accent, not not the words, but the accent. Uh-huh. So the only thing I think of was my committee or uh, Second City accent. You know. So I, that's what I did, you know, and I was very afraid of making a fool of myself in front of Bill because I respected him so much. Mm. I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to screw up for for Bill. Right. So, you know, I'm doing the best I can, but he's not telling me anything. He's not saying anything. He's not, and I'm, and he, and it's a long day. I I shot the whole day there Mm -hmm. and it's take after take after take. Not saying a thing. 
So I'm I'm getting worse and worse. My my tension is my finally it's over. And he finds okay, it's a wrap for Larry. Hey, thank you, Larry. Great. I, I hate so I thought, Bill, Bill, yeah, what? Can I just ask you something? Yeah, what? You never gave me any direction. Why didn't you? I mean, I was so nervous, man. I mean, I'm trying to do this accent. I'm trying to be good, you know, but you never said anything. Well, I just wonder, why didn't you give me any direction? He said, well, and his, his writing partner was there. The whole, his writing partner is there every day with him. Mm. So it was just to me, well, see, we didn't write the part the way you were doing it. We didn't know what what you were doing. We had no idea what you were doing, but it was working. So I didn't want to interrupt your process. <laughs> I said, my process was fear of, of you discovering I don't know how to talk Russian. Or have an accent. <laughs> That's my process. That's what was going through my mind the entire time. He says, well, worked fine. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> but, but of course, you know, then when I got home and I read w- what I had done, mm. yes, it could be interpreted as a funny piece. Mm. You know, a hitman who's going to kill you and then yeah. doesn't, I don't want to give away, you know, and then doesn't. It's kind of funny and that's the way they wrote it. But I did it totally serious, man. Uh-huh. I mean, for a, a hitman to end that way, you have to have some kind of problem. Yeah. So I, I gave him some stuff, you know, I mean, the backstory of the head. Because, yeah. again, I don't, you know, if you have a camera and there's film in it, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, 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 a, I'm serious. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm like schizophrenic, you know, in, in a way, in that uh-huh. way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm dead serious. And, and, and I think it is because I know I'm not an actor. So uh-huh. I have to, like. And then part of dyslexia and ADHD and OCD is, is the focus thing. That, that's why you can't memorize. You know, focus. It, it Dyslexia screws around with your focus. So I have to mm-hmm. really like, you know. Yeah. But luckily, tension creates adrenaline and, and that helps my focus. So I think yeah. that's why in front of a camera, I kind of pull it off every time. Right. The adrenaline of, of fear. You know, well, the fear and- and especially the comedic parts that you play, you don't play them as a comedy. No, you've you got to believe. You've got to believe that this is yeah. real for the person. Who yeah, and that's what makes it so real, and it exactly. makes it it makes it funnier. Right, and that, that that's not me. That's just a rule of of comedy. That that's yeah. a rule of comedy. You know, it's not funny if you think it's funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the audience doesn't want to be told what's funny. Yeah, <laughs> let them make up their own minds. Okay. Yeah. Because I would do my comedy routines when I was a stand-up comedy. I didn't know where the laughs were. Mm-hmm. You know, because I would get up there and just tell my day and hear the laughs. Yeah. And I would just remember, oh, this is funny. Yeah. Okay. Saved it. Yeah. But I, I uh, to this day, and I, I see a lot of other writers do this, but it's the same thing. You know, you, you write something and you give it to somebody. Hey, hey, read this and tell me what you think. And you're standing right there, you know, and they're reading mm-hmm. it. And then all of a sudden they're reading and going, what? <laughs> what? What's funny? What did you laugh at? What? What? What was that laugh? You, know, you want to know? Because I didn't yeah. know what's funny. Right. I've done that a lot. You know, yeah. I, I tried to write something lately, and you give it to somebody and they're laughing. What? What did you laugh at? What? Uh-huh. <laughs> because you just don't know. And I don't yeah. see how Seinfeld can write bits. I don't see how comedians can write things because. Because when I write something and I think it's funny, it generally isn't. I just write stuff, and then they mm-hmm. say your stuff is funny. Mm-hmm. Like what? What's funny? Okay, um, what did I write? Something. And I, I wrote a, an essay a couple of months ago. It was a, it was an essay about something. Somebody asked me for a magazine article. Mm-hmm. So you know, an essay on blah blah blah. Okay, I mean they didn't say it had to be funny. Just what do you think about the subject? So I wrote it, and then somebody had read it and said, hey, man, that was really funny. Oh. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great. Yeah, yeah, I did it on purpose. I, I can't remember. Uh, oh, it was um, something about show, something about show business. Mm-hmm. You know, but but it was a, uh, 
a serious subject. It wasn't a, let me say it wasn't funny. It wasn't a funny subject. Uh-huh. So, but that, that's happened all throughout my life. You know, I'll, I'll do something that I didn't think was funny and it, and it's funny. So I guess there are naturally funny people, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I do a deep dive whenever I, talk to people and uh you know i came upon your uh cameos uh for that cameo site that you do and it's it's funny uh because right in the instructions you say hey don't give me a script just give me a couple things to talk about and i'll i'll riff from there and it's it's really great how in the moment you are on that and those little cameos that are you know they're only a couple minutes long but you take like maybe one or two things that somebody told you and you can make a little story out of it and uh, on one of them, you talked about uh, um, having an ostrich in your apartment and stuff like that. And, and, and I just, that is a gift that not everybody has. I certainly don't have it. And even for those little, little cameo things, you're really doing something um, that is meaningful type, type of, of dialogue from just about nothing. <laughs> 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 you bet. Well, yeah. I mean, here's the, I, give, I give this just happened yesterday, uh, two days, three days ago. Say, I'm I'm really that's really weird. I don't understand a lot of things. I'm really big in India. Oh. I have I don't know why. I know that Friends is distributed all over the world, mm. but India in particular. It just goes bonkers over Mr. Heckles. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, no other country, no other character. It's mm-hmm. with India, Mr. Heckles. Uh, okay. So <laughs> I, I'm on a, a cameo-like thing in India. Uh-huh. Where it's only in India. So, but in India, uh, different countries have different rules or not rules, but just the way people talk. Right. In India, they give you scripts. They mm. say, hey, Mr. Heckles, my friend is having a birthday. This is, Say this and say this and say this and say this. The script. You know, say yeah. this. And it rankles me because I can't memorize them easily. Mm. But if you let me just talk, I can just, you know, knock it off. Okay. Yeah. So I just, I just, this particular person three days ago just went, just, Way overboard on the say this and say this and say this. Yeah. Fucking script. <laughs> I mean, this by the way, two minutes. You have two minutes to say it. Yeah. That, that's the given. So I say, you know, um, so I finally, I just blew my top and I wrote to the company and I said, look, you got to stop. You got to stop this. I didn't know, by the way, that Cameo has that on their thing about don't give me a script. Yeah. Because it's according to them. So they put it up. Thank I really God. like it. It's pretty cool. Okay, so I, I, I texted India company, and I said, look, man, stop it. Tell these people I don't do scripts. And I was really angry, and it came out in the message. Uh-huh. Stop it. I can't do that. I, I don't work that way. Either let me do it my own way, or I'm, I'm off. I don't mm-hmm. care. And so they were very apologetic. They're very apologetic people, Yeah, the Indian people. <laughs> they, they're very nice uh-huh. and very courteous, and and they did. They, they said, "Oh my God, please, you know, okay." And the next day, they sent me what they uh, what they had put up on their thing, and and it's what exactly what you said. Cameo has don't uh-huh. send him scripts, man. Uh-huh. You know, just give him little pieces. Uh, but what I do is, and I thought that was very cool of them I, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. to, to do that. But the way that it works is uh, I worked it out myself. Again, the process. I have a standard <clears throat> thing that I memorized, which is about a minute mm. of memorized thing. The ostrich is part of it, yeah. that and the other thing. And, and that's standard. So I have all those memorized. It's a minute. Mm. And then you give me like little stuff from your life and I just kind of drop them in uh-huh. and bend it around. But I always know that, well, if I can't go any further, I just go back to the ostrich. Yeah. <laughs> and then continue on from there, or I go back to the cat and mm-hmm. then go on from there. Yeah. So, but it looks like, and, and 
I've got the character of Mr. Heckles. So it's so easy. It's my uncle. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Mr. Heckles is really my uncle. Yeah. I mean, he talked like that. He did those things. Yeah. So I can just drop into it. I yeah. don't, it doesn't take any, it's like, I remember, you know, the, uh, the Wayan brothers. Yep. Well, the older, the older brother, the one who was the producer uh, of, mm-hmm. of, you know, them, and he's written other things. He's a really smart guy, man. Yeah. He is so financially Hollywood. He's great. Yeah. But <laughs> he said he is, so he based a lot of his early work uh, on improvising and then writing down the improv. Mm. But since he was dealing with his ghetto friends who, you know, let him didn't have any laptops. Yeah. So what he would say, he'd get these groups of kids of, of young people, not kids, but young people mm-hmm. to improvise because he wanted to write down what they were saying. He keeps on doing it, but they didn't know how to improvise. They didn't, I mean, that takes a little technique. So he said, and this is so brilliant. And in my all my years of being in improv and Second City and the committee, I've never heard this. And he said, everybody can improvise. There's no way you can't improvise. I want everybody to pick their parents. And I want you to improvise a little piece. Uh, be your father. You mm-hmm. be your mother. You be your mother. You be your father. And do this scene. And everybody can imitate their father or mother. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just imitating your father or mother. It has nothing to do with improv. You're just yeah. imitating. You're aping. Well, once you can ape, imitate, or improvise your mom and dad, which you can do, you understand, oh, that's what improv is. Yeah. You're just imitating something. Is that something or somebody, you know, that's all it is. Now, if you're going to make a show about it where you're not just doing stuff in a cellar and somebody's writing down the best of what you're doing, not Mm. all of what you're doing. Mm. If you're going to do a professional show, yeah, there's a process and there's a technique. Mm. I mean, it's, it's not imitating your mom and dad. Yeah. But no, it's, yeah, you can do it. That you say that because I, I've always been afraid of improv myself and I have a friend who is a big improv guy and I would do stand up in between their improv shows and he would try to pull me in to do improv with them. And I'd always just fuck it up. I couldn't do it. And, but um, I started doing this talk show on Thursdays and I decided part of the talk show was that um, Dean Martin was uh, cryogenically frozen and they thought him out and he's okay now, but he's out of money. So he's staying with me. And I put, I, I do, I do an act. And so I become, I become Dean Martin. Hey, I'm De- a really bad Dean Martin, but I've been doing that, and my friend Steve is on the show with me a lot. And I've actually learned how to improv through doing that because it's a, a yes and type thing. And I've, it's really helped me to be more in the moment. And I, and Steve actually mentioned it at one point and said, Hey, you're getting a lot better, you know, and I didn't even know at that point. Doing it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Doing it makes you better. Yeah. yeah. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Yeah. Practice. Practice. <laughs> yeah, man. Pardon me. It works. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, that's we're getting up on the stage Monday night, open mics. Mm-hmm. I got better and better and better. Yeah. I, I mean, I just wanted to do it. I didn't and I I thought I could get a little better doing it, but I yeah. didn't realize that doing it really works. Yeah, it really helps. Yeah. Uh, so I've taken up a lot of your afternoon. I got a couple more things I want to ask you. Um, uh, first off, can you tell me how you came up with uh, Solly's Diner? Um, that was yeah. the short you did that you got the Oscar nom for. Well, um, how did I do that? Well, I grew up on Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite guy. It just stuck with me. I mean, uh, so I grew up on Charlie Chaplin. Okay, forget about that. You know, that's like from five to like, say, 15. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you go on to other things and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so now I got into show business and uh, let's see. Oh, I did Escape from Alcatraz. Yeah. And I got $35,000 to do that show. Mm-hmm. More money than I'd ever imagined in my entire life. 
I, I okay. So I got thirty five thousand dollars. I did the movie. Great time. I paid off all my debts, which didn't have much. I was broke to begin with. I didn't have yeah. much money, you know. Uh, and I got an apartment. And then I decided to take what was left of the money, which was $10,000. Uh, actually, yeah, it was about $10,000. And I thought I would either throw a party and, and get a lot of cocaine and drugs, <laughs> fuck myself up really cool. Yeah. <laughs> or I would invest in my talent. Uh-huh. So I thought I would make a movie. So that's that's how the idea came, that I had enough money to have the idea of making a movie. Now, what was I going to write? I didn't know, but uh, it was $5,000. I'm sorry. It was $5,000. I had $5,000. Uh-huh. But a friend of mine's a wife, uh, Anna Mathias, uh, Harry Mathias was a cinematographer. Well, no, he was a camera operator mm. who wanted to be a cinematographer. So she came to me one day. She was in the committee too. She was just a, a player with me. Mm-hmm. And so she said, uh, my husband, Harry, uh, needs a reel t- to get into the cinematographer's union. Why don't you write something that you could be an actor in and that he could be the cinematographer of? He could get into the union and you will have a movie of your own. I never thought about that. Mm. He said, uh, so I said, okay, fine. I called Harry and I said, hey, Harry. I mean, I didn't know him. I never met him. Mm. I said, Harry, you know, this is blah, 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 your wife, blah, blah, blah. And he said, yeah. I said, how much would it cost? So he said, $5,000. So I just happened to have $5,000. <laughs> Sitting in my sitting in my sock drawer. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't put it in the bank. I, I was yeah. going to lose it. So uh, I said, "Cool." He says, "Cool, write something." Okay, now I had to decide what to write. So I started to think, "Oh, Charlie Chaplin," you know, n- not Charlie Chaplin's talent. I mean, the guy's mm-hmm. a fucking ballet dancer genius. Mm-hmm. No, it was his narratives. His stories were really simple. Guy, he and and what he said was Chaplin. What Chaplin wrote was he said, everybody dared me to write movies, these little shorts, and they said, how do you do that? He said, give me a cop, a girl, and a park, and I'll give you a movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I bought it, man. I thought, whoa, what a great idea! A cop, a girl, and a movie. So I kind of reduced it to uh, a park was a. A restaurant. One, in other words, one place is what mm. you're talking about. Give me a place, and uh, you can always meet a girl in a park. Uh, so I thought, okay, instead of a cop, I'll have a robber. So and I got the girl as the waitress. Mm-hmm. So really, it was it was a three people. Give me a girl, a hero, and a bad guy. That mm-hmm. was kind of what I was getting from Chaplin. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so. I thought, okay, if a robber comes into a restaurant and ro- and then there's only a so it has to be at night, it has to be four a.m. Nobody is in the restaurant except a, ho- a homeless guy, chaplain. And then so people were asking me, "Oh yeah, I hear you're going to do a movie. What's it about?" I said, "This homeless guy, you know, saves this waitress from a robber." And they said, "Ick, what are you making a movie about a homeless guy? Who wants to see a movie about a homeless? These are my." best friends, my closest friends saying, don't make a movie about a homeless guy. Who wants to see a and I really got my my ire, my gander yeah. up. Hey, ever hear of Charlie Chaplin? He was a fucking homeless guy. What are you yeah. talking about? He's the most famous guy on the planet. What are you talking about? I mean, every once in a while, like maybe once a year, somebody just where I have to do that. I have to yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> Just to get it out, you know. And okay, I got another year to go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, so I thought, that, okay, then that was what convinced me. Once you tell me, you know, what are you doing that for? I go, <laughs> okay, I'm going to do it. So that's that's how I came to do it. And then I wrote it, and it was twenty twenty pages long. And he said, cut it in half. It's too long. So it took me another couple of weeks. Cut it in half. It was 10 minutes. Okay. And then we shot it. 
And then I said, we got to get a director. And then he goes, no, you direct. Now I thought he was being, he was honoring me. Mm. I found out later, never, never take any suggestions from a cinematographer, except where to place the camera. (laughs) Because what he was doing was, he was saying, no, you direct because he knew I, I didn't know how to direct. So when we get into the editing room, he can edit the movie so he gets a reel out of it. Yeah. And so we fought like, well, like my mother used to say, fought like cats and dogs. Yeah. No, we fought like editor and director. That's how we, and like cinematographers. I mean, I was trying <laughs> to burn the fucking movie. The, 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 man, uh, the, the, the film. I was going to yeah. burn the film if he didn't do it my way, because I suddenly woke up in the middle of editing this, you know, we were editing Jaunty Jolly together because what I was doing for the movie and the laugh and the narrative, it was also serving his, you know, real. So we were mm-hmm. doing, but then when it came to shots where, no, this is a great shot for his real, but it didn't tell the story. We would really get head to head. And that's what I was saying. Look, man, I got a key to the vault. I'll just burn it. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm an artist. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, again, what are you talking about, man? I mean, it was like that. Uh, so when I threatened to burn the film, he finally gave in, but I was going to do it. Yeah. Even though I thought, Larry, that's crazy, man. What are you doing? But I, uh, you know, but, but we did it. And then I said, cause I didn't know anything about films. I was a stage actor. I was in the, I was in the committee. Yeah. I would do these little things for sitcoms, you know, but there were days or or maybe a week if it was a sitcom you know, rehearsed for four days. Mm. You shoot it for the film. But I, I didn't know how to make a film. I mean not the not the rules. I knew I knew you edited it. I knew you should so mm. what happened was he edited it together and it wasn't color corrected. But he showed me I mean we, we edited it together but then he had to get it printed into one piece. So it wasn't mm. pieces. It was one thing. So he took care of that, which was fine. Mm. But when he came back, it wasn't color corrected. It was just a piece of film. And because it was all the pieces cut together that was now made into one long film, nobody had, because it was just had to be color corrected, nobody uh, erased the crayon marks. Like, you know, Arrows to yeah. cut here, color this. You know, there was a, that white white pencil you do uh-huh. the marking things. So that was still on, even though it was now one piece. And it wasn't color corrected. And that's what he showed me. Mm-hmm. It was a, my edit, the correct edit, our edit. Mm-hmm. But it had uncolor corrected and markings on it. So when I watched it, I didn't get that. No, this is standard procedure. It's not finished. This is... We're just looking at the editing. But mm-hmm. I was looking at it as the finished movie because I didn't understand. So mm-hmm. it's awful. It's awful. And he's saying, what do you mean it's awful? This is what we agreed to. I said, but it's, it's the wrong color and his marks on it. And I, I don't like it. I mean, I, mm-hmm. so he tried to explain explain it to me, you know, and, 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 and it made sense. He's no, it's going to be erased and it's got to be color correct. Oh, you know, and he was kind of getting disgusted with my recalcitrance. Mm-hmm. So I just gave up. I took his word for it. No, no, this is not how it's going out, Larry. I said, okay, just call me when it's finished. <laughs> so he called me when it was finished but he said, I'll tell you what, here's what we have to do. We have to show it. Oh, he said, I want to, when it was finished and before I saw it. So I only saw the uncolored corrected. Mm-hmm. He said, I want to, uh, this is good enough to hand into the Academy. And I said, no, it's not good enough. Because even though he convinced me that it's still got a couple of stages to go, I said, no, they're going to see the, the crayon and the uncolored. In other words, I wasn't really, I was just agreeing with him, but I didn't believe yeah. what he was saying. Right. I just wanted to get on with it. So I said, no, you can't hand it in. 
He goes, why not? Because I said it's not good enough. Now, the reason I said it's not good enough, and, and here's where the dyslexia and the ADHD, not understanding things. Mm. This is totally the, the dyslexia. I thought, and I don't know where I got this because nobody ever told this to me, that if you get rejected from the Academy Awards, you can never hand another thing in the rest oh. of your life. Yeah. So that's why I didn't want it handed in. I didn't think it was good enough. I want to hand other things in later on. Mm. This was just a test to see me as a homeless guy. That mm. was all from my, he's, he said, he said, no, don't worry about it. But I, I said, okay, I won't hand it in. I said, okay, fine. Great. Okay. Now finish it. A couple of days later, he says, I got good news and I got bad news. <laughs> I go, all right. What's the bad news? He said, the bad news is, against your wishes, I sent it into the Academy for the award. Mm-hmm. And immediately I thought, oh, my God, it's not good enough. They're going to reject it. I'll never be able to hand anything in again. So I got furious, man, on the phone. Uh-huh. What the fuck, man? I told you, I'm the producer. This is my money. You're doing something. How dare you? Blah, 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 blah. What the fuck is the good news? We've been accepted. Hey, man, don't ever do that again, okay? (laughs) You know, listen to me. Okay, but thanks. Okay, bye. (laughs) I wouldn't cop to him that I thought it was great. Yeah. (laughs) After I had shouted and hollered at him for, you know, the bad news. Uh Uh-huh. So we went and, you know, the, so that's, that's how it came to, to be. But, you know, be, but now if, you, if I make a movie, I mean, all of that is gone because misunderstandings and not knowing and having yeah. to listen and sharing, uh, you know, so. Well, a lot of the spontaneity has gone out of filmmaking. It's, uh, it's all very carefully curated now and. Um, yeah, because then you have to be totally professional in the look and the lighting yeah. and the camera angles and the makeup. And, you know, in the old days, <laughs> you know, you can just hand something in. I mean, look, it's a good film. It mm-hmm. is a good film. It it's is. a good story. It's a good film. I, there's no getting around it. But I don't think I could get away with it now. You, you have yeah. It would be. I mean, I think to make the exact same film, exact same way, nowadays would fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars easy. Oh I mean, yeah, I had, to, I had to save in another five thousand dollars later on for the post production. Yeah, so it, it cost ten thousand dollars. I think by the time it was distributed, I had spent twenty thousand dollars. It's in dribs and drabs. Of, oh, they want to send it here, and mm. uh, but I should have stuck with it, you know. But you know, well, and the money, the money of being an actor is. Yeah. And how to become an outlaw. I just got to go back to that. I, I well, then that. Now, let me ask you something about how to become an outlaw. Before yeah. you me. There's several versions. So which version are you talking about? It's the one's the hour uh, one your, or the 25 minute one. Uh, it's the 58 minute one. The one that's on, on your website. Okay. Yeah. That's the one I like. Yeah. Okay, and I, I mean, question. You've got Jeff Garland in there. You've got Fred Everybody. Willard, late Fred Willard. Uh, uh, what's Howard Edie? Edson, Fred Willard. Who else? I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, but they were all my friends. Yeah. Because I was making it. You know, it's, yeah. hey, hey, Fred, can I come over to your house? And I filmed yeah. it at his house. I filmed it at Howard's house. I filmed it at everybody's house. It was, yeah. make my little camera and I would, you know, oh, take, he, I would, he, Edie McClurg. She was, Edie McClurg. she was hilarious. I went, yeah. I went over. I loved it because it's, it's funny. It's poignant. And, um, I mean, you are super physical in, in that movie. I mean, when the two guys are hitting you, um, and you're getting oh, turned they're, around they're and I love that. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, it you know was, where I got that from? That's straight out of Chaplin. Yeah. Oh it's yeah. Verbatim out of Chaplin. Yeah. I mean, it's just really, it's just really cool how that went together. And it, it, it says right there that it took you eight years to put that together. And, you know, yeah, it's, it was a, a, comp, it was a composite 
of about eight or nine different film shorts. But yeah. I always, and nobody, everybody laughed at me for doing this, but always, ever, the character of Emmett Demas was the character, in my mind, the character in Sally's Diner, the homeless kid. I was about 30. I looked about 25. Mm -hmm. I was about 28. I looked younger than I was. Mm -hmm. So that character in, in Sally's Diner, when I was in my 20s, Emmett Demas, the star of How to Become an Outlaw, is that character grown up to you know, be 70 years old in my know, mind. So when I made I that saw movie, that and, oh, it, and I was, I was scared to say it because I, I thought you'd say, no, you dumbass. That's not right. But I thought I saw no, that. You're a smart ass is what. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, no, that, that, that's really cool because what I did and nobody knew this and everybody thought I was, crazy because they didn't understand my reasoning but mm. i made after i made that i i retired from making movies because i was i want to concentrate on acting and make some money and save up so i can make my films later mm. so I, I forgot about that and then i grew older and my hair got white so i said okay that guy's now older he's now emmett demis he wants to ride a motorcycle okay but Every time, so I'm only going to make a movie about one character, just like Buster Keaton always played one character. Mm. Like Charlie played one character. I'm only going to play one character. Okay. So it was an older guy, like Fuzzy Q Jones. Yeah. You know, uh, so I thought, okay, but I will only do the character in an episodic adventure that has a timeline that is in my head. Mm. So if I'm doing. Emmett Demas stealing a motorcycle. Okay, in my head, I make a mark. He stole the motorcycle here. It didn't matter where here was. It was just a mark. Mm -hmm. And then every other movie I ever made, and I made like 20 or 30 about Emmett, every other one either came before it or after it. Or after it or before. How, okay. Uh -huh. But it was always around that mark. And then when I made this one, then the one that I made next either came after it or before this one. Mm. So every movie in all those 28 movies, they were on a specific timeline in my head. I didn't know how much time had passed or how little, but in my head I would say, okay, the last movie I made he was doing this. Okay, so if I'm going to make this movie, is it here? And I'd have to adjust the timing. Or it's going to happen here. Then he has to be before that happened. So mm -hmm. I'd have rules about what had happened before that, what he what he knew here, and what he knew here. Mm. And that was always in my head, but nobody else knew that. And I never wrote it down. Mm. So nobody knew exactly where he was coming from. But I did. Mm. When I made How to Become an Outlaw, I then took, and this was over a period of seven, seven years. I then took all the, I took about the, the, uh, the 10 of the best of the 28 movies of Emmett Demas. Mm -hmm. And I said, now I'm going to put them together. I'm going to connect. I'm going to attach the timeline. So I uh -huh. took this one. And what you saw, if you look, you see the different styles, the different cameras, mm, there's yeah. different editing, there's different, it's, it's, it's summer in uh, 480, summer in 880, summer in yeah. 40. I mean, they're all over the map. And I, yeah. I don't care, man. Screw you. This is for the Museum of Modern Art. Yeah. Get out of my way. You know, <laughs> I'm just doing what I do. You know, I, yeah. I make more movies for me. Yeah. But it, it had a narrative that followed because in my head, I always knew where it was going. What you saw was the compilation. Mm -hmm. I just put it and I made an hour movie out of 28 film shorts that I had made, yeah. knowing full well that it's going to work. It has to because <laughs> the narrative would always follow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely followed the narrative very well. So I've been afraid to show it to people because of the different styles. But nowadays, because of the, the documentary, 
documentaries are really big now. Yeah. Well, documentaries, you shoot it on the fly. Sometimes it's in focus. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you have to, it's a hidden camera. Yeah. Sometimes it's a formal thing where you have a background and everything. So mm-hmm. I, I saw, I started to see as, you know, uh, documentaries became popular that, oh, they were stylistic mishmashes. Mm-hmm. It was the narrative that counted. It was about who this was about that you were following. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how it came about. But I'm glad you liked it, man, because it was yeah. totally an experiment of Larry Hankin. Uh-huh. It wasn't for public consumption. I'm glad that you, you thought it was yeah. cool. I'm, I'm glad you put it up there because I really enjoyed it. Cool. Great. So the last thing I wanted to ask is, uh, you know, I'm understanding uh, – you talked about your quirky childhood and the fact that, you know, you, you've got these, these things that could be an impediment to somebody, the ADHD, oh the OCD, yeah. the dyslexia and stuff like that. If you had a 22 year old kid come up to you and say, Hey, I want to get in the show business, but I got all the same shit wrong with me that you got with you. What advice would you give them? Figure it out, kid. Yeah. <laughs> You got to go your own way, right? Look, man, the way I came through, nobody can do it my way. Yeah. And I can't do it your way. Yeah. You can't. I mean, yeah. people are, the people I talk to are dead by now. Yeah. The places that I were have been torn down. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the streets have had their names changed. I mean, come on, get real. Yeah. You can figure it out. I, I, I by the way, when I spoke to you before about, that thing that I didn't think was funny, I wrote it for a mm-hmm. magazine. This is the subject that it was about. Mm-hmm. What, what The advice you would give somebody new. Mm-hmm. And, and then people say, hey, man, it was really funny. And I was being serious. Uh-huh. But basically, I closed with figure it out. You can. If you mm-hmm. want to be an actor, you got to be smart. There's no stupid actors out there, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's like math. It's like physics. Yeah. I mean, you are handling subjects and emotions that are equal to, you know, mathematical formulas. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to dig deep in yourself. You got to be honest. Yeah. So there is the process and the process has changed because of digital. Mm-hmm. So, so this is what it was all about. And now I'm being serious about an answer to you, but bottom line, figure it out, kid. Mm-hmm. Get as much information as you can. Digital. I, when I, when I was in, in movies, there wasn't digital. There wasn't the internet. Hollywood was face-to-face. You go in and you have a meeting. Mm. You talk to somebody. You sent in letters by snail mail. Mm. <laughs> it, it's not happening anymore. Yeah. I could give you the advice of how I made it. It wouldn't do you any good. Mm. Join the committee. It yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Join Second City. Yeah, try it. You mm. and 10,000 other people. <laughs> you know, Get real, figure yeah. it out, you know, go to Hollywood, you know, be rejected, become homeless, get on a stage, make your own movies, mm-hmm. figure it out. If yeah. you can't figure it out, you can't do it. Yeah. Very simple. Very good. Very job. good. I got to say that uh, one of the things I've really enjoyed about this conversation is, I'm, I mean, you're you're 80 years old. And you don't say that. I know, but you talk about the past, but you don't live in it like some of the people I talk to. Uh, You don't let nostalgia like run your life. You are still thinking forward. You're not bitching about the fact that you have to be in front of a camera talking to me for two hours and stuff like that. I really appreciate that by about you because you're 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 still thinking forward uh, instead of thinking. Okay, let let me let me do that. Note that <laughs> part of it is okay. That's what I'm doing, and that's a choice. Mm-hmm. Part of it is my dyslexia, and I tapped into it. In uh-huh. other words, I accepted. You know, there's good stuff about dyslexia. There's great stuff about dyslexia. My mm-hmm. art and my talent has a lot to do with how I see the world through dyslexic mm-hmm. eyes. Mm-hmm. So that's great, and I don't deny my dyslexia at all. I thank God for it. There are there are uh, penalties you have to pay for being a dyslexic. Mm. You don't understand a lot of things. You have to have it explained. Okay, but um, 
one of the things that dyslexia, I, I adore about it is the reason I don't understand a lot of things is I'm locked in the now. Mm. I don't think about the past or what did you call it? Uh, when you think about nostalgia. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I don't dwell on the past or I'm not nostalgic because dyslexia isn't into nostalgia. It has mm. nothing to do with Larry Hankin or my conscious will. I am. That's why my my youth was was so screwed up. Mm. Uh, besides my, having not a very good father at all, mm. uh, was dyslexia locked me into? I was always in the now, so there was no future. There was no past, and mm. therefore the pro of it, the proactivity of dyslexia is. I could focus on where I was now. If you put me in front of the camera, I could forget about a lot of stuff and focus on this. Mm. Or I could play the game with all gusto because I didn't care about falling and hurting myself because that was in the future or what somebody would think about me for doing this because Mm. that was in the past. But the the penalty is I have to get the script a long time ahead. I, I can't, you know, memorize things, but over the years, I figured it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, Larry, you've been, it, it's been a big get to get you, and I really Thank appreciate you. the time you've taken. Folks, well, uh, make sure you. You're dressed. Yeah. <laughs> In my bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, make sure you check out The Real Larry Hankin, and the movie that we talked about is oh, right there, How to Become out. an Outlaw. Spoke about it. You can watch it. But, yeah, the TheRealLarryHankin.com yeah. is my website. And it's on, I think, yeah, it might be on there, but it is on Vimeo. I know that. Where did you yeah. see it? Um, it was on the, it's on the site. They've got it embedded right on the front page there. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. That, that, thank you very much for mentioning that. Yeah. Yeah. So folks, make sure you check that out. And Larry, I just got to say thank you. I mean, I, I, sometimes I can get a half hour out of somebody and the fact that I got a little over two hours from you, it's all gold. So I really appreciate it. Well, let me know when it goes on. Okay. 